Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Amen. You've heard me say it, and it's the truth. Sometimes all you need is a song. You know, we come in and we look for so much when it comes to church, but sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes all you need is a song. Amen? We're so glad to have you. If you're new, first time here to Word of Life campus, welcome to Word of Life Fondren. Can we give it up for all of our guests? Yes, it's an honor to have you here. My name's Joel. I'm the lead teaching pastor across all of our campuses. Uh, Pastor Hillary is the campus pastor here. She's on the front row. We're so thankful for Pastor Hillary. Uh, And we're honored to have you here with us and excited to open up scripture with you tonight. We're going to look at a lot of scripture as well as we should when we're talking about something that so many people know very little about. And, uh, you know, my heart in doing this is every time I look to teach or open up God's word, it is always with the intent to have a measure of content in it that is um, uh, relevant, that is uh, digestible, that is fun, whatever it may be. Uh, But I really feel impressed tonight to just look at a lot of scripture and content so that you can see the practical leading of God's spirit and also how you could see in your own life how hard the Lord is working to guide you. And we looked at that scripture two weeks ago where Jesus said the Holy Spirit, he will guide you. He will, which means he is. Now, you knowing that's him and you knowing God's voice is a whole separate issue. And somebody says, well, I'm pastor. I think I would know if God was speaking to me. Not true. Uh, Samuel heard God audibly and did not know it was God. He thought it was Eli. Um, God calls each one of his sheep by name. And I think if you can, can see this and, and understand first and foremost that God is literally um, trying to guide you and that guidance is not something hard or burdensome. It's something that's easy and it's, it's, it's something that's yielded to. Then it would open up the things of God in a way to you that is just wonderful and beautiful. One of the things that we read about is that the the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of the Father may be with us, but also that the communion of the Spirit may be with us all. And that's something I want to see in your life, um, that the communion of the Spirit is with you all. And when I was looking over my notes, even this afternoon, I I just became so aware that I don't know anything other than a Spirit-led life. And I'm not just talking about a spirit-filled life, a spirit-led life. 
like the bulk of every decision I make is because I genuinely believe the Spirit is leading me to make that decision. And almost everything in my life that works is followed down that track. And everything that doesn't or is frustrating is because it has not been led by His Spirit. It has been led by me and my desire or my smart thinking that was not so smart. Um, And so we said that if you are going to be led by God, you need to understand three words. And that is respect, recognize, and respond. Everyone say respect, respect, recognize, and respond. All right. If you can get those three words, you can be led by the Spirit of God. Somebody says, well, what do you mean by that? Number one, respect the fact that God is so desperately trying to guide you. Respect that fact and yield to it. Number two, recognize his voice when he is speaking to you. Uh, God's speaking far more than you're recognizing it. Um, And if you can recognize it and pick up on his leading and guidance, it will be a game changer for you. And thirdly, which we'll not talk about tonight, but we will at another time together, respond. Um, That if you stop responding to the guidance you recognize, you will harden your heart. You will sear your conscience, and spiritual things will become indistinct to you. You won't be able to recognize them. If you're not sensitive to God's correction, you will not be sensitive to God's direction. Uh, So we want to respect the fact that God wants to guide us. We want to recognize his voice when he is guiding us. And we want to respond every time we hear God speak, okay? So let's talk about respect just real quick. We, we mentioned this two weeks ago, but I quoted this scripture. We didn't turn and look at it, and I'd like to remedy that. So let's go over the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. And let's look here in verse number 5. Proverbs 3 and verse number 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now, I like the translation that says, and he will direct your paths. He will direct. So notice what the psalmist is saying here. He's saying you have a God trust in him. (laughs) How many of you know that's a good idea? I have a God, trust in him. But then he he says this, lean not to your own understanding. Well, I've got this all figured out, Pastor Joel. Lean not to your own understanding. Well, I think I know what I'm doing when it comes to investing. Lean not to your own understanding. Well, I've been married 20 years. I think I know my spouse at this point. Lean not to your own understanding. Do not allow your understanding to be your crutch in life. Stop eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stop magnifying what Adam and Eve tried to magnify. We're not called by God to eat of that tree. We're called by God to be spirit-led. We're called by God to believe that the Holy Spirit knows than me. I am not smarter than God. I may know the past, and I may see a little bit of the present, but only God knows the future. Come on, somebody. And out of that, what I'm trusting is that the Holy Spirit, who knows the past, present, and future, is smarter than me. And so instead of me just going into this meeting being like, I know what I'm going to say, I'm going to stop 
leaning on my own understanding. And what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to acknowledge the Lord. Be like, Lord, you know more than I know, so direct my paths. And we looked at this in the Old Testament, and we remember, you know, it bears repeating. God lights up a bush for Moses. He's trying to get his attention. He's trying to get him to yield. He's trying to get him to see, like, you're missing it for your life. Like, there's a whole other life for you that I created you to live in. He lights up the bush, but he does not speak until Moses acknowledges him and turns aside. Uh, in Samuel's stories, God speaks to Samuel, but all he does is call his name. When Samuel acknowledges the Lord and says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. When he says that and respects the fact that God wants to guide him, then God began to guide him. If we want more guidance, we need more acknowledgement. If I want more guidance, I need more acknowledgement. If I want more guidance with my money, I need more acknowledgement over my money. God, where do I put this? Where do I put my investments? Where do, I, where do I put this offering? Where do I put my money? How do I spend it? Should I buy this? Should I not buy this? Is this something I should spend my time on or not spend my time on? Holy Spirit, what would you like me to spend my time on this morning? Do you want me to put down my phone? Let me tell you, the answer is yes. Uh, like all of those kinds of things. The more you acknowledge him and you honor the fact that I have understanding, but I don't want to lean on it, the more you acknowledge him, you honor him. To not acknowledge him is to not honor him. To not acknowledge him is acting like you don't have a Lord. And I have said this for years. The problem with the American church, and I I shouldn't globalize things like that, an issue that people have. An issue that people have Um, is we want a savior. We want God to come in and like save our children and save our marriages and save our health and save our finances and save our church and save a generation. We want a savior. We don't want a Lord though. And lordship means my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. So I don't get to do whatever I want with my children. I don't get to do whatever I want with my money. I don't get to do whatever I want with my time. I don't get to do whatever I want with my ears, with my eyes, with my mouth. I don't get to say whatever I want. I don't get to walk wherever I want. I have a Lord. I literally have been bought with a price. My life is not my own. My worship is literally, literally to offer my body as a living sacrifice, to take up my cross daily. (laughs) Pick a scripture. There's so many of them. Um, And the only way to do that is to respect and acknowledge and be like, God, what do you want me to do with this kid? Like, I want to just like jump all over him right now. But Father, what do you want to say to him? What what do you want to do in my marriage right now? What do you see that I'm not seeing? What do you want me to do in this service? What do you want me to do? And the more you acknowledge him and respect the fact that God wants to guide you, the more you humble yourself under his mighty hand, the more you come to this acknowledgement and this place of like, I know so much of the world is still eating from the knowledge of the tree and good and evil and still wanting to be smarter and wiser and sharper than everybody else. But I want to be spirit-led. I don't want to be flesh-led. I, want to, I don't want to be reason-led. How many people have like figured out already that the, smart, the smartest people on earth 
like still don't know everything. Like I've had some of the smartest people I know financially tell me to make investments that were terrible. I know people like dietitians who have told me to eat certain things only to come back later and be like, actually, we were wrong about those things. Eggs are good for you. Like all these types of things. Like we for years they told us like stop using plastic or and then it switched to paper and then it switched back at the grocery store to which one was actually worse for the environment. We don't know. And the problem is we don't know no matter how smart we get these things. But there is somebody that does know all the time and it is the Lord. And so we need, and I'm preaching to myself because I want to get better at this. We need to take more time to be like, God, what do you want me to do? Uh, we see this with, uh, with uh, David. Just real quick, let's look at it. This is just for fun. 1 Samuel 23. Um, all throughout the, the Old Testament, we see David be like a New Testament man. And I think this is why God liked him so much, is David acted like he was in the New Covenant. And he acted like he had the sensitivity of spirit that goes beyond like the, the, the heart of a man that could not be born again. But he acted like he was born again. And he interacted with God in such a way that it's like it's the key of David. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful life. But watch how David interacts with the Lord. 1 Samuel 23, 1 through 4. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against the K people and are plundering the threshing floors. Verse 2. So David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Notice, David is acknowledging the Lord is directing. David is acknowledging the Lord is directing. And somebody says, Man, I wish God would do this for me. He is. If you are acknowledging he is directing, God is not a man that he would lie. If he told you don't lean on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your paths, he is keeping his word. Now, you might not be recognizing his voice. We'll remedy that in a minute. But God is directing. But notice when David acknowledges, then God speaks. God does not speak until David acknowledges. It keeps going here in verse number 9, a whole other set of situations. Uh, so David knew that Saul was plotting evil against him. So he said to the A priest, bring the ephod here. And the ephod is, I love this symbolism, it's the garment of worship. And David often, often would take off his kingly garment and put on the garment of a worshiper, which is something that each one of us need to do if you want to be led by the Spirit. As I know your mom, and I know your dad, and I know your pastor, and your banker, and a businessman, and whatever it may be. But if you want to be led by God, you've got to learn how to take off that title and take off that garment and put on the garment of praise and put on the ephod, the garment of a worshiper. And if you'll put on the garment of a worshiper, I'm telling you, it opens up heaven. And it opens up God. I say it all the time, but I'm going to say it again because repetition is safe for you. If you sow the seed of talking to God, you will reap the harvest of God talking to you. And worship, the ephod, is you talking to the Lord. Praise talks about the Lord. Worship talks to the Lord. And when you are talking to the Lord, it paves the way for God to talk to you. And so David knows this. So whenever you see David needing guidance, you know what he does? He puts on the ephod. 
He puts on the garment of a worshiper and he begins to talk to the Lord. Now watch this. Bring me the ephod. And David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has heard for certain that Saul is seeking to come to the K place to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of the K place surrender me? And notice how specific he is being with the Lord. Surrender me into your hand. Will Saul come down? Just as your servant has heard, O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Notice the simplicity of this. And then David's like, okay, I asked you two things, though. Then David said, will the men of the cave place surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, yep, they will surrender you. And so David is now making adjustments and plans in his life because of why? The Lord's direction. The Lord's guidance. How did he get it? He acknowledged the Lord. If you acknowledge the Lord, he will direct your path. If you want direction, God needs acknowledgement. God needs us to humble ourselves under his lordship and be like, tell me what to do. I'm frustrated, show me what to do. I'm I'm a little nervous here, show me what to do. I I need direction in this, I acknowledge you, show me what to do. I want to do your will. I want to be a man and a woman who's under authority. I don't just want authority, I want to be under authority. Show me. My favorite example of David doing this is 1 Samuel chapter 30. Once again, this is just for fun. I know we've already taught on this, but it's just fun to look at. Uh, This is an awful situation in David's life. Like David has made a blunder. He left the women and children and all his possessions unprotected. And while he's out warring and, you know, going to work with the fellows, it turns into a disaster. An enemy comes in, takes everybody's wives, takes everybody's kids, takes everybody possess- everybody's possessions. There's no police you can call. There's no FBI you can call. There's no one who, no detective, no Sue I FBI, no Matlock, no anybody. Uh, there's no Dateline 2020. No one who has any TMZ. No one has any information about anything in this moment. And so when David's men see it, they're like, this is awful. They're all weeping. They're all crying. Like, just honestly, if I went out to work and came home and someone, like, burnt my house down, took all my possessions, took my wife and children, you can imagine the emotion. And so everybody's crying until the Bible says, like, literally, there's no more tears left in them. I don't know if you've ever been to that point in your life where life got so bad, you were crying so much that you literally felt like you had no tears left in you. But when they got to that place, they got past being sad and they got mad. And they're like, you know whose fault this is? David's. And we're going to kill this man. And so David is like facing the anger of his men, the loss of all that he has worked for, the loss of his family. It's bad. And you know what David does in this moment? He stops the panic. He stops the worry. Like some of you, you're worried over your kids. God knows what to do to get them. He knows, he knows, he knows, he knows. Well, I'm so worried about my job. God knows what to do to get you a better one. Like God, God knows, he knows, he knows, he knows. He knows what to do in this economy. He knows what to do in this time. We don't have to be afraid. We have a guide who will lead us and guide us and show us things to come. And so David comes to this place where he stops feeling sorry for himself. He stops worrying he stops acting like he doesn't have a, have a God who loves him. And watch what he does here in verse number 6. 
Moreover, David was greatly distressed because the people spake of stoning him. And for all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. But watch this. David strengthened himself and the Lord is God. Then David said to the priest, the son of the other a man, please watch this. Do you see his habits here? You show me your habits, I'll show you your future. Do you see his habits here? Bring me the ephod. What do I do when I don't know what to do? Bring me the ephod. I need to talk to the Lord. I need to acknowledge the Lord. I'm going to take off the the title of being king, and I'm going to put on the title of being a worshiper. And he comes in, he starts talking to God and worshiping. And he says, bring me the ephod. So the A-priest brought him the ephod, and David inquired of the Lord. Notice the specifics. Shall I pursue? Will I overtake them? And the Lord said to him, pursue, for you will surely overtake them, and you will surely recover all. Amen. I think that's a word of the Lord for somebody here tonight, too. You will surely recover all. All that the enemy is trying to tell you you lost, you will surely recover all in Jesus' name. But notice, he gets this word in his heart, and based off of this word now, he goes in the strength of that word. But where did he get the word from? He took the time to respect the fact that God has a plan even in this moment. He took the time to understand that even when his plans got his life out of God's plan, God had a plan to get him back in the plan. And God has paths. Even if you make a stupid choice that costs you years, God's got paths that can get you back on track. The gift and the call of God are beyond repentance, meaning there's two things that will never leave you nor forsake you. I wish it was people. They will, though. People will leave you and people will forsake you. There are two things, though, that will, ne- as long as you got breath in your lungs, these two things will never leave you nor forsake you. The first one is God your Father, and the second one is the thing He has ordained for your life to accomplish. The gifts and the callings of God are beyond repentance, meaning God never changes his mind about them. So even when you get off track, see Paul of Tarsus, <laughs> even when you get off track and you kick against the pricks, God's got paths that can get you back on track. But the way you find those paths, the beginning point of being led by the Spirit of God is somebody somewhere has to acknowledge the Lord. Somebody has to lean not on their own understanding. And you can imagine, like in this moment with David, it's like, shall I pursue? Of course we're going to pursue. They took my wife and kids. Like, I'm not even thinking about it. Do you even have to pray about that? Like, just go get them. Like, just go run somewhere. But David knew even, especially in those moments of panic, fear, and worry, when emotion is high, wisdom is low, and out of this, I'm not just going to run out like a chicken with its head cut off trying to find the path. I'm going to calm myself, I'm going to study myself, and I'm going to know God has a plan even for this mess, that this mess I have found myself in right here, right now, God's got a plan even in the middle of this mess And he will get me back on track. And here's the thing about God. Not only did he get David back on track, but he got him better than before. Like God so supernaturally honored this man for the decision that he made that he wound up with more than he had stolen from him. His wife and his children were untouched and unharmed, and he got more than even he lost. 
the wonderful beauty of taking the time to acknowledge the Lord. And so the first R, respect, is something I want to get better at and something I want all of us to go on this journey of getting better at is just slow down and ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? Before I make this phone call, what do you want me to say? Before I go in this meeting, how should I approach this client? Before I go in and, and you know, talk to this child, what should I say? Uh, before I go in and lose my temper, do you want me to do anything differently here? <laughs> Acknowledge him. And the more you respect the fact that God wants to guide you, the more his guidance will be real to you. But if you live stiff-necked, you live at a place where you don't want to bend, you just want to do it your way, I'm telling you, you will create a mess for your life. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, do not be stiff-necked. Do not harden your neck. In fact, it likens it to a horse that's rain-trained. I know nothing about that. Nothing about the world of horses. Um, But from what I hear (laughs) from people who do know horses... You can get a horse that almost has, like, power steering on it. Um, Like, you just tap it with the rein, and it'll go in the direction that it senses. And God said, I I want to try the reins of your heart that way, where I can just tap you this way, and you go in this direction. I don't have to jerk your neck. Then I'm not having to pull you over in a direction. But you want to be led. You want to be guided. You don't want to just run because you see an open plane. You want to be led by me. And so we want to respect. The second thing that we want to do is we want to recognize how is God speaking to me. And so the first principle of this, uh, Matt Beamer, when he was here a couple of weeks ago, taught on it. We want to be inside-minded and not outside-minded. Inside-minded and not outside-minded inside-minded and not outside-minded. So let's go over here and look at this in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36. In Ezekiel 36 and verse 26, we see the Lord begin to reveal something to the prophets. Ezekiel is on page 772 in my Bible, (laughs) if that helps you. Ezekiel 36 and verse number 26. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Notice, I'll put my spirit within you. You will walk in my statutes. Where where is his spirit? It's he is within you. Verse 26, I'll remove a heart of stone from you and give you a heart of flesh. Now, here what he's seeing is the new birth, what we would call being born again. Uh, Jesus said, unless a man is born again, no one can likewise enter the kingdom of heaven. And they're like, well, how can a man be born when he's old? And he's like, it's talking about the spirit. When Adam ate of the knowledge of tree, uh, the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
he did die, not naturally, but spiritually. And on the inside, he had a heart of stone. What is a heart of stone? Uh, a heart of stone has no feeling. Um, how did the world go just in a couple of generations to literally every imagination of their heart was violent? It almost looks like some of the things we see in the world today. So violent, so hard on people. Have one little opinion that's different from theirs and immediately hard against you. Um, how did it go that far? Their heart was hardened. No heart was sensitive unto the Lord. And so the flood had to come in and then Sodom and Gomorrah and like all these other types of things. And somebody says, well, well why did God have to do that? He couldn't lose his men. He couldn't lose his women. He couldn't lose his family. He needed someone to keep the lineage of faith, someone to keep this heritage of, of walking with the Lord so he could have a shot of redeeming his family. And, and out of this, we see this, this heart of stone had no feeling. It could treat anybody it wanted. You see Cain, like literally, uh, no negative influence, but just a hard heart. Kill his brother. You're four people in, literally four people in into the planet. And he's killing them for no other reason than he's jealous of them. It's like, how could he do that? And it's like, I'll tell you how. He had a hard heart. How could they listen to that? How could they watch that? How could they talk like that? How could they gossip about somebody like that? How could they talk about a president like that? How could they talk about a governor like that? How could they talk about a friend like that? How could they talk about someone, like literally James talks about, like how can we talk and like be in the middle of worshiping Jesus and then go right out there and, and be so harsh with people who are made in the image and likeness of God, talking to a waiter like that, talking to the mailman like that, talking to the, the checkout clerk at Kroger like that. It's like how could people do that? I'll tell you how. A hard heart. A hard heart. And when Ezekiel the prophet is watching humanity, he watches God come in and take this hard heart out of people and place within them a heart of flesh. And what is flesh? It can feel. It can be grieved. It can be wounded. It can sense. If you take a rock and you throw it against the wall, it senses nothing. You take a rock and throw it against your flesh, you feel it. And when Ezekiel is watching this in the Old Testament, he's looking at the New Testament, he's like, wow. He is taking out of them a heart of stone, and he is placing in them a heart of flesh. And not only that, next to that heart of flesh, he is placing his spirit within them. His spirit with their spirit. And it's where? Within them. God all the time is trying to guide his people. The difference is between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Testament was all outside. Why was it all outside? Because their spirits were not alive unto God. And so God's like, got to guide them. How are we going to do it? Cloud by day, fire by night. Got to get Moses' attention. How are you going to do it? We're going to light up this bush, but it's not going to be consumed. Uh, how are we going to guide Gideon? He's going to put out a fleece, and it's going to be wet, but the ground will be dry. And the next day, the ground will be wet, but the fleece will be dry. Why? Hard-hearted. 
They couldn't sense God, so God had to meet them with the knowledge of man. He had to meet them with their five physical senses. I needed to touch it. I needed to taste it. I needed to see it. I needed to hear it. I need to experience it out here in order for me to be led by it. In the New Testament, though, God began to lead men by the inside, which is why it's so cool. In the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came in like a rushing mighty wind, where were the flames of fire? It was not one central flame that had to be followed by the entire children of Israel. And if you follow it, it will get you in the promised land. Now it's a tongue of fire above each and every head. The Holy Spirit above each and every person symbolizing through God's amazing symbolism, symbolizing that each person would now be the temple of the living God and that each person would be led and guided by God's Spirit. But it will be inside and not outside. Why? We're born again now. Our spirit is sensitive to God. And so with that in mind, let's look at this. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, we'll go 12 more minutes. Romans chapter 8. Why? Because we can come back. You can come back. I can come back. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. (laughs) I love it, I love it, I love it. You know, for fun, for fun, for fun. Let's look at verse 11 and down. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, who is this talking about? The Holy Spirit. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells where? Where's the Holy Spirit? In you, Ezekiel saw what, for those of you who have been born again, Ezekiel saw what happened. You got a heart of flesh, and then right next to that heart of flesh, now all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit is within you too. He's in you. And somebody says, heart of flesh, what in the world does that mean? Obviously, it's not talking about your natural human heart. Think of the heart of the melon, the heart of the tree, the center of you. Um, And out of this, in you is not just a recreated spirit, the part of you that lives when you die, the part of you that that literally looks like you but is not you. Um, It's the, the spirit version of you that's in you. And it's amazing. Like even when you look at Jesus, tell the story of Lazarus who went to heaven and the rich man who went to hell, their spirits recognized each other. They could see each other. He recognized Father Abraham. Um, So there's a you in you that's more real than the you you see. And in you is not just the real you, but the Holy Spirit is in there with you too. The Spirit who dwells in you, verse 11. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are not under obligation uh, to live to the flesh and to live according to its desires. In fact, if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if you, by the Spirit, are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Oh, we'll come back to that to respond. But do you see what he's saying? He's like, as long as you are letting your flesh control you, you will be insensitive to the leadings of God. 
But if you by the Spirit will put to death your flesh and you will stop feeding your flesh and listening to your flesh and giving in to your flesh and letting your flesh make you angry and letting your flesh make you feel sorry for yourself and letting your flesh sit in a bedroom and just cry and moan and just do whatever it wants and watch 15 hours of Netflix and all those other things. He says, if you will put to death your flesh and watch what he says, he says, you will live. And what's this life you will live? The Spirit led life. And out of this, he says, in, in verse 13, if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Watch verse 14, how amazing this is. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Do you see that? That sons of God should be, ought to be, are supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. If you are a child of God, literally right now, you should be led by the Spirit of God. That if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, bought with a price, you should be led by the Spirit of God. But watch what it says the Spirit does in this leading. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading you into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit himself testifies. One translation says the Spirit himself witnesses that we are the children of God, which is the number one way the Holy Spirit leads and guides us is by, number one, the inward witness. The inward witness. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. His spirit testifies with our spirit. Now, what is the inward witness? We said this two weeks ago. A witness can only testify about what he or she knows. So when you think inward witness, think inward knowing. I'm being led by the inward witness. I'm being led by an inward knowing. There is a knowing in me. There is a, there, there's just, I, I know I need to do it. A, a witness testifies about what they've seen, testifies about what they've heard, testifies about what they know. Now, this happens in our family literally all the time. Uh, I was thinking about just instances. I can remember when we used to do Saturday night church, me and my wife were riding home, and my wife um, turns to me and she says, I think I need to buy so-and-so some polo shirts. I'm like, okay. And there's a young guy in the church, and she's like, all during worship, I just knew, like, I need to buy him some polo shirts. I'm like, okay, we'll go buy him some polo shirts. Uh, and so she goes and buys him polo shirts, you know, gets his size, all those things, takes it to him. His mom lets us know, like literally two days before, he came and said, you know what, Mom, I, I know our family's kind of going through this economically, but I need some new clothes. I'm believing God for polo shirts. Come on, somebody. Now, that's cool when God gives you the polo shirts, but you know what's even cooler than that? Knowing you heard God. But it wasn't like two angels appeared during worship. It wasn't like I heard an audible voice. It wasn't like God spoke to me in a still small voice. It was like, buy him polo shirts. 
you know, all those types of things. It was just a knowing. Just a knowing. Like, I need to get them polo shirts. I can remember a couple of years ago, I was praying, and a certain minister came to my heart, and I'm like, I need to send them $15,000 from our church. I need to send them $15,000. And I hadn't thought about this person in years. And I called them up, and I'm like, I was praying, and the Lord said this. They started weeping. I didn't know it, but her husband had just died, and the funeral expenses were $15,000. And she's like, I told the Lord I needed this money. And she said, I was so nervous that, you know, when my husband was gone, like my source of provision was there. And I, I told the Lord, like, you are groom, and you will take care of me, and you will provide for me. And she said, like, 30 seconds later, the phone rang, and it was you. She's just weeping. Come on. Come on. It's just a knowing, though. It's a knowing. I've had times where I, like, wanted to go off on my kids. Like, just like, what are you doing? And the spirit will come and just like, nope, 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 pull back the reins. I'm, sometimes I am rain trained. Other times it's like <laughs> sudden quick drawback. But it's like, ask them this question. The other day our daughter was just, you know, in a funk. And the Lord said, let her have a day. Let her have a day. If you can learn, and people will look at, like, our kids and be like, man, like, they see neat stuff. But you know how? Like, I look at us, and it's like the Spirit helps us know what to say, how to say it, what not to say, when to say it. You can be Spirit-led, but it's not like all these voices, or it's like, I heard from God. It's like an appearing of, like, some star that's, like, showing me the way. Like, all the, it's just these knowings. Let me show you a couple of examples and I'll let you go. Just go over to the book of Acts. These all will be super, super close. And you can see them here. Acts 16. I'll close with this. I want you to see in the book of Acts, this was before religion goofed everybody up. Um, in, In Acts chapter 16, you see people who genuinely have the Holy Spirit real to them. And the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, expected his congregation to know what in the world he was talking about. Because everybody hearing from God was the rule, not the exception. And I want you to see in the book of Acts what hearing from God looked like. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse... Number five. So the churches were being strengthened in faith. They were increasing in number daily. And they passed through uh, Galatia. Watch this. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came up to Messiah, they were trying to go into Bithynia. And the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. There's just a hesitancy. There's a knowing. Nah, we can't do that. There's a sense of like, mm-mm. There's a pullback. There's this lack of peace. Have you ever gotten that? Been in a relationship and it's like, mm, I don't feel right about this. Been, been talking to someone and it's like, I shouldn't say that. Say it anyway and then get in the car and be like, 
know, like there's a knowing there. Of like, and then the mind kicks in. It was like, you were so justified in saying that. Like, you were fine. And the flesh kicks in. It's like, you, they deserved every bit of what you said. And your spirit's like, you need to repent. <laughs> and like, you've got this war. That's the Lord. There, there's something pulling you back. There's something restraining you. There's something forbidding you. There's just a perception, a knowing. Watch this in Acts chapter 17. And verse number 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred. His spirit was provoked within him as he was observing this city full of idols. So Paul is preaching and he's seeing like this, this you know, place have all these idols and all these gods they're worshiping. But something is stirring in his spirit. Of like, no, there's something I need to do here. There's something I need to accomplish here. It's a stirring. It's a knowing. It's a forbidding. It's a pullback. Sometimes it's a green light. Sometimes it's a red light. It's like, I, I, need, to, I need to do this. I know I need to do this. Or I, I, I know I need to get out of this. It's just a knowing. Uh, and finally, let's look here in Acts chapter 20. There's a ton more, but just for the sake of time, I wanted to run you through some of these. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 22. This is Paul talking. He says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit. Bound in the Spirit. Bound by the Spirit. Um, this gives the like, impression of, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, you know, the kids on the, the our dog, we use a dog, <laughs> on, like, the leash. Have you seen, like, the kitty backpacks, though? It's like a kitty leash. It's like running through Target as fast and then pull back, you know, this type of thing. They can't make progress. Something is pulling them in another direction. This is literally what this means to be bound in the Spirit. It's like I'm trying to go these other places, but there's something that has a pull on me. There's something that has a hold of me. There's something that's telling me we need to go in this direction. Is it a voice? No, it's a pull. Is God like speaking to you audibly? No, there's just a pull. There's something on the inside. His spirit is bearing witness with my spirit. His spirit has given my spirit a knowing. I go bound by the spirit on the way to Jerusalem. I don't know all the details because God shows you steps. I don't know all the details except, verse 23, the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies. A lot of translation uses that same word, witnesses. Except the Holy Spirit witnesses, testifies to me in every city. Every city saying bonds and afflictions await me. And I, I just love this in verse 24. But I consider not my life as having an account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus. He says, I have a course to run. So do you. And the Spirit is leading me on that course. And I'm trying to go this way, but the Spirit has bound me to go this way. And I don't know exactly why, except I have a knowing that when I get to where I'm going, bonds and afflictions await me. Let me just tell you, everything in your future is not rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns. It's not like amazing stuff always out there in the future. But before you get there, the Lord will show you things to come. And in showing you, sometimes it's just a knowing of, I know this is not going to be the easiest of transitions. I know this is not going to be the easiest of times, but I know God will be with me. 
and I will run my race, and he will be with me. None of these things will move me. Amen. But I want you to see in their lives, like all of the great apostles and all of the great writers, do you see how Luke is writing this to the church? He's writing this to the church, and he's not, he's not like, let me explain this to you. He's like, I just expect you to know what Paul's talking about. Oh, yeah, I've been bound in the Spirit, too. Oh, yeah, the, the Spirit solemnly testifies with me, too. He just expects his audience to know what in the world he's talking about because the early church, this is what they talked. This is how they talked. It's like we all have the tongue, a tongue of fire. It's not just one place above one priest who can only go into the Holy of Holies. Now we are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells not just among us, but literally in us. Amen. And so out of this, I want you to start paying more attention to that. When you sense a a knowing, when you sense a leading, when you sense a warning, when you sense a constricting, when you sense a rubbing, I want you to be like Samuel and be like, oh, Lord, what is that? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That is your burning bush. Turn aside to see what it is and be faithful to walk it out. Amen. We're going to talk about all the other ways the Lord leads as we continue building this up so you can recognize God's voice in your life. But that's a good stopping place. Let's stand to our feet if you want to. Of course, you don't have to. It's your body. You can do whatever you want. But out of this, let's have a moment where we honor the Lord. And just open up ourselves to his guidance and direction. Father, we come before you and we honor you. Speak to us, Father. Your sons, your daughters are listening. We thank you, Father, that your spirit is bearing witness with our spirit. And we thank you, Father, that as we we worship, we put on the ephod. This is our David moment to worship you. And maybe there's specific things some of us in here need to know. Or maybe there's just something that we've been missing. And your Holy Spirit needs to bring that back to our remembrance. But Father, as we worship you, And as we talk to you, I thank you, Father, that you will talk to us. That you will direct our paths as we acknowledge you. And so, Father, we we just offer our lives and our attention and our worship in this moment. And we just give yourselves. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord.